The following audio is from Cross Life Church in Tampa, Florida. We are a church that exists to help people find Christ, their place in the body, and their mission to the world. Our calling is to raise leaders and plant churches. So if you live in the Hudson area or near Wester Chapel, you can also check us out at one of our other locations. For more information, visit us at crosslife.net. So we have been in uh, Jonah, and uh, we're going to finish Jonah today, believe it or not. And actually, we haven't been in Jonah really that long, but for a short book, maybe it seems like a long time. There's really so much stuff in there that we kind of miss. And again, as you have opportunity to read through uh, Jonah, even after or in the future, read through it, I think it's pretty important to realize that there's a lot packed in just a few verses here. And always when we read the Scripture, I think it's important to realize that all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. In other words, God just watched over, and it was God moving through His men and women to pen, uh, to pen the Scripture. So basically, as Jonah is writing this, you know, just, just think if you're writing something, and uh, it is this way, and you know, there's probably a lot in your headspace. I can just tell you right now, every time I stand here to preach, I have my notes and I've got a train of thought and there are about five or ten thoughts out here while I'm talking. And I'm trying to go, okay, what should I say and what shouldn't I say? And if you think about it, when they're writing the scriptures, this is God's word to humanity. And so God, I'm sure Jonah's writing and God's going, no, not that, no, not that. So when you read through areas of Scripture and you think, why didn't God just tell us? I don't know. But what he did say, we should be able to learn from and understand that really this is God's word to us. So before we jump into Jonah chapter 4, I think what we need to do is read Jonah chapter 3, verse 10, the last verse of chapter 3. It says, when God saw that Nineveh did what, didn't, what Nineveh did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Now, verse chapter 4, verse 1 through 3, says, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this just what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to prevent by fleeing to Tarsus. I knew that you were a gracious God, compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Verse 3 says, now, Lord, just take my life. It's better for me to die than to live. Father, this morning, I pray that you would help us hear you this morning through not just uh, your word and the words that are spoken and those that say the conversation that takes place, that you would be, that you would just help us hear certain things that we need to hear in our current reality. I'm asking this in Jesus' name. Well, it's interesting to me that in verses one through three, Jonah calls this conversation he has a prayer. And I, I guess it was a prayer in the, in the respect that he was talking to God, but to me it really, to me it seems like he's just complaining. This is a complaint. And so I think about that, and I think, well, at least in this he was honest. He was being honest. He's just really, he's really sharing how he feels, which kind of got me to a place where uh, before I ever read this or knew this, God just began to 
poke at me when I would begin to say certain prayers, and he's going, um, hello, words coming out of your mouth, but that is not what's in your heart. That's not really what you want. I, I, I know the thoughts and intentions of your heart. That's kind of a scary thing. You know that God knows that. When I first became a believer and I found out that God knows my thoughts and He knows my intentions, that, that's just kind of a scary thing. And, and so I, I didn't know what to do with that for a while until the Lord said, you know, Tracy, here's the deal. You're in the process of change, and I already know what's going on. Why don't you just vent it? Why don't you just get it out there so you can hear it so you don't hide it? If you bring it out into the light, I can do something with it. So let's just be honest here. And it seems like Jonah's just, he's not mixing words, and he's just being honest. And when he says this, he just begins to vocalize. And he said, I have said this before. I have, you know, I prayed this, uh, he's, it's almost like he's praying this righteous prayer, and God's going, yeah, not really. And so I want to look at this prayer of Jonah, and I kind of want to look at several aspects of this, and I'm just going to call this verses 1 through 3 and some other uh, area of Scripture here in Jonah chapter 4 is Jonah's rant, because he's just ranting, uh, angry against God. So we see in verse 1, he goes, God, I don't think it is right that. And so verse 2, he goes, So, I said, I don't think that Jonah deserves his judgment, and I don't want to go. And it's as though at the start, Jonah just said, Look, I want you to conform to what I want. See, I don't think this is fair, so you need to take that in consideration. You need to do what I think is best. And uh, he's saying, you know what, this isn't right, this isn't fair, you shouldn't have called me to do this, and you should not show mercy to these people. So, I didn't think you were, so I just fled. It's almost like Jonah's going, you know what, all right, I'll fix this. So when God refused Jonah's request, you know, the prophet just took matters in his own hands, and Jonah decided to thwart God's plan by refusing to participate. Uh, and we kind of know how that all rolled out. That didn't go very good. And through his confession, it really just kind of kind of exposes uh, some things that are going on in Jonah's heart and Jonah's life. He knew who God was, and he knew that Israel was to be a light to the nations to help them see God so that they could come to God, but that is not what he wanted because they were evil, because they were enemies. So bottom line is that he didn't want the Assyrians to even have a chance, not even to have a chance to repent. And he says, he says in, then in verse 2, 4 verse 2, he goes, so he says, um, uh, I fled because I knew, I knew that you were a merciful God to the guilty, I knew that you were compassionate on humanity's weakness. I know that you're slow to become angry, even in the face of grievous sins. I know that you are rich in faithful love on those, even if they're unlovely. And I knew, I know that you would relent from sending judgment on those who would repent. And so I'm thinking about this. So Jonah's angry, but I'm thinking, well, 
if it's the case that Jonah knew exactly what God would do when he preached, <laughs> you would have just thought he would have expected that God was going to do what God was going to do. And so basically, Jonah, he's just angry because God didn't change his mind about Nineveh. So he would, he's, he's mad about it. And I, I think about that for our own lives, how often in our own lives does this happen to us? We're in a situation that we want God to do something, but at the same time, we really know what He wants. Right? That ever happened to you? You're wanting God to do something in particular, but yet in your mind and your knowledge of His will and His word, you already know that He's not going to do something like that. And, and, and then you get mad about it. So if we know God's word and we know God's will, what makes us think that he's going to go against those? So, you know, let's just uh, put it into some scenarios. So, like in your marriage. Husbands, love your wife. I'm going to pick on your husband. I'm going to help you here this morning. Husbands, love your wife, even as Christ loved the church. Well, I will win she. That doesn't say that. Am I helping you? Okay. Okay. Let's reverse the role. Wives, <laughs> honor your husbands. Well, I will when he. It doesn't say. That's, there's no clause in there for that. So there's this point on our part of what we need to do. Because we already know what he wants us to do. But we go, well, that's not fair. That's not what I want. When you do this, then I'll do that. And you could put that in loving your enemies. You could do it in forgiveness. Well, I'll forgive them when they acknowledge uh, they're wrong toward me, and they repent of that to my satisfaction, which is groveling, hands and knees over glass. When they do that, then okay, maybe I'll forgive them. And that just, it doesn't work like that. Uh, do you know what that's called? Have you ever heard this phrase, uh, a Mexican standoff? It's where two people got guns held at each other, right? But the standoff confrontation is, it's a standoff confrontation when there's no strategy that exists that allows any part to achieve victory or measurable advantage. So in a marriage, you know, and Denise and I have done lots of marriage consultations. And it is interesting when they're just, they're just like this. And it's like, yeah, y'all might as well go home. <laughs> and the funny thing is, when you really get down to it, you go, what should you do? Well, that's beside the point. No, I'm asking you, what should you do? What does God want you to do? Well, he wants me to do something I'm not willing to do. So... The, that's not going to go very well. There's, there's really no room to have any victory or advantage on that. And, and, and here's the thing. Anytime we decide to square off with God, that's just that's not going to go well. That's a, like a no-win situation. You, you can... So, how many of you been in anywhere? It could be a restaurant, grocery store, whatever... And a child, young, decides he's not getting what he wants, and he just goes off. Well, you know, I, I, anytime that happens, I'm always just tuned in. I go, I, I go, let's see how this plays out. 
And, you know, a lot of times parents just, they, they, they cave. You know what? Let me just say this right now so we all understand. God does not cave. Just so you know, God does not cave in those scenarios. And so, Jonah's next recourse, he goes, all right then, we'll just take my life. You know, I have been stumbling over this ever since we, ever since I started a couple months back just considering Jonah and bringing it uh, in a series of messages. And we've talked about it on Friday mornings. This is something I just can't, I haven't quite wrapped my head around of. I, I don't really say that I've, I've kind of solidified some thinking or settled on my thoughts about this. I just keep thinking, really? I didn't get my way, so just kill me. Now think about this. <laughs> it's penned in Scripture. And I don't get it. And so I thought, well, maybe this morning we could have some conversation. Maybe you could, maybe you got a perspective on this that maybe I'm not seeing. Anybody got an idea why Jonah would just go, okay, well then just kill me. Not gonna do what I you not doing what I want you to do, so just take me out. What could have prompted that? Anybody got any thoughts? Nobody? Doug? Here, let's do this just so we got a can you make this hot? Okay. Um, I mean, I would just, to me, I don't want to say obvious because then you think you missed it. Um, but <laughs> the, arch, the arch enemy... No humility in that, right? <laughs> there the, was a line behind that. Yeah. <laughs> Hello? The arch, you know, we talked about this before. So Nineveh has been the arch enemy of Israel forever. Or for as long as, you know, um, Jonah can remember. And now think about this. Now he's going to go back to Israel and they're going to go, oh, thanks a lot, buddy. Mm. You're the guy. And, and I think he, and you and I have talked about this, but I think he was a representation of Israel. They were at a point where we've got God, we're good, who cares about anybody else? Hmm. Right? And I think that's something that we have to look at for ourselves too. We have God, we're good, why should we worry about anybody else? But Israel's calling is the same as ours. Serve him, Show the people who he is so that they can serve as well. Okay. Somebody else got a thought? Oh, thank you. I thought you had a thought. I want to make sure I didn't miss that. No. <laughs> um, well, one of the things that um, it says here is that... Um, my version says that, therefore, in order to forestall this, so he knew he was going to do it, whether it came through him or not, and that God was forcing him to go do it, I think just made him, and we see the word anger all the time through it. And I think about when Cain, when he went to Cain and he said to him, you know, if you don't do, if you do right, will not your countenance be lifted up? And yet he would not allow his countenance to be lifted up. And what ends up happening with that is you go into depression, and he had gone into depression hmm. to the point where he preferred death over seeing how God would have mercy. He didn't mind mercy giving, being 
given to him. And, he, and it says that he knew that God was gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, abundant in loving kindness, and one who relents concerning calamity. Well, how did he know that? He experienced it, mm. you know. And so he didn't mind that he got to experience it, but he certainly didn't want who he considered to be the enemy of Israel to do that. And I think we can have those thoughts often ourselves too, especially when we're angry at somebody and we can't get past, and we, we aren't going to forgiveness. <laughs> we have that anger towards somebody of saying, you know, mm. God, get them. <laughs> okay. Somebody else? So um, Jonah's quoting uh, out of Exodus um, when he's talking about God's characteristics there. And it was when Moses kind of demanded, I want to see your face to God. And, and instead God said, you know, hide in the cleft of the rock and I'm going to pass by. And, and we hear the words of God when, when he's telling Moses who he is. You know, I am the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, abounding in steadfast love, who shows... Uh, mercy to thousands, but will by no means clear the guilty. So it's, it's kind of ironic that he's, he's calling on the words of God when he was saving the people of Israel, but at the same time, he's so bitter. And, and, and what you said, you know, the, the, the depression, it's because, you know, and in, in working with people in a kind of a, a, a counselor scenario for uh, all the time that I did, one of the things I see that really inhibits us from moving forward is when bitterness and resentment and selfishness supersede what I know is right or what I'm willing to give into. And I, and I think that's what we're seeing here because he sulks the rest of the book. And actually when we leave Jonah never to see him again, he's still sitting there pouting. I didn't get my way. He's so bitter. He's so resentful. He, he's not even able to see that God had done that in his life. Mm -hmm. God had done that in his ancestors' lives. He'd saved them the same way that he did the Ninevites. Mm, that's good. Glasses make you even look smart. <laughs> Anyone else? All right, well, you, those are good answers. I just thought. I just saw a four-year-old. <laughs> I saw a four-year-old in the store screaming, I want my way. You know, the, the interesting thing is in verse 4, look how God, uh, I love this because this really happens in our life. Look how God responded to this uh, pouting of, or rant, complaint, whatever you want to call it, to Jonah. He just, simps, he just simply asked him a question. Is it right for you to be angry. And so it, it is, and it's almost like then he's saying, so Jonah, what is right by what you know about me? So is it, is it really, is it right for you? To, you? It's almost like he put all this stuff up here ahead of time and then he goes, is it, is it right for you to be angry? Is, what is right by what you know about me? And I think it's interesting that Jonah just, he doesn't answer. Now, in chapter 1, when we were going through it, I said that uh, I had this chart and I showed how far, 2,500 miles to Nineveh, 500, mile, or 500 miles to Nineveh, 2,500 miles to Tarsus in the wrong direction, 
and we don't hear that Jonah had any interaction with God. But yet, we do know, we, we, we do learn that he did have interaction with God. And so the same thing here, but it's not recorded. So the same thing here, God asks a question, is it right for you to be angry? And, but we don't have a written response. Jonah doesn't write down a response. There very well could have been, but that's, it's just not there. And for, for whatever reason, uh, that's what we need to discover. And so what happens is, instead of uh, responding, at least from here what we can see, Jonah just goes outside the city, camps out, he gets done with his preaching, he goes outside the city and he waits, maybe to see what God would ultimately do. Maybe he thought that um, somehow the repentance of these Ninevites, you know, we read that they made a declaration, put on sackcloth and ashes to repent, and maybe Jonah thought maybe there would be something lacking in that, possibly hoping that God would do what he desired for him to do, and that was to wipe out the enemies of Israel. Now, remember when Jonah goes in, his message was 40 days and Nineveh will be destroyed. So it doesn't give us any time references there, but it says Jonah goes out the city to sit and wait to see what God will do. So he's camped out. I don't know how long he had been camped out before this happened, but he camped out there. He thought, okay, 40 days, 39, we got 15, 14, 13. So we're unsure, but in this time, this 40 days while Jonah is waiting... It just seems like he's back to his own self before the storm, before the fish. He was outwardly obedient. Okay, I'll do it. But inside, there was still this going on. There was something in his heart, something in his life. He was going through the motions, but this was not right. And, you know, can I just say that uh, God's really looking at our life here. So you can, you can do all the stuff on the outside, but that's kind of one of the, you know, there's so many things in Scripture that God's not looking at outward appearance, He's looking at the heart. God loves a cheerful giver, so, you know, you can give whatever you want, but let me tell you what God loves. He loves a cheerful giver. The, the widow that gave two mites, and those that gave a lot, God's going, well, they gave other abundance. In other words, this lady gave all she had. There was something in her that gave to God. And so God is always, he's always looking at our heart, not our actions. So sometimes when our heart and our actions don't line up, and you, you know they don't, by the way, what you just need to do at that, part, at that point in time is what God is going to do to Jonah and going to try to do to Jonah, he's going to try to shift this. Because always in our life, this is what needs shifted. Our heart needs to be shifted. You can come to church three times a week, give what you got, and your heart ain't right. That's just, that's just a tricky place. And you've got to know that things are going to come through your life so God can get at this. So anyway, you know, he was obedient by going to Nineveh, but he still had this harboring resentment. Uh, he repented and submitted, but... It seems like the pride in Jonah and the prejudice he had toward these people just rose up again and just seemed to anger him. Because again, the bottom line, even in going, Jonah, what he really wanted was not mercy for the people. 
He wanted God's judgment on the people. And so you can kind of see this contrast between God's heart toward Nineveh, his attitude, and Jonah's attitude. And so really the Jonah just really missed seeing what God was seeing. And God was God's, God's love and compassion and God wanting to extend grace to them. And so we get in, you know, I, I don't have to look back very far. I had somebody say, boy, with the background that you had and what you went through, I'm sure you probably have no grace for people that uh, play uh, in the scenario that you were. And I'm going, no, 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 actually I give more grace because I understand the grace that was given to me. And so often we really, like Jonah, we kind of forget. <laughs> because I can tell you right now, the guy that was witnessing to me to bring me to the Lord, I was a knucklehead. I was the guy that's going, just <laughs> shut the door, walk away. And we're going to run into people. That just, you think, are, are, okay, I don't know how to, I'll just say it the way, are you that stupid that you can't see? Hello, hello, hello. You know, and it's like, all right, whatever. So anyway, as uh, jo uh, um, Ann brought up, <laughs> as Jonah brought up, uh, just, he received it, but he failed to extend it. So the, the next portion is, is fun. So, what is, so God's trying to get to Jonah, and he's not getting three. So, so what's he do? Well, he creates this big object lesson for Jonah. Jonah's outside the city. God calls this plant to grow up. Now, Jonah's out there. Who knows where he's at? But God makes this. It's hot. It's sunny. So God over... Overnight, he has this plant grow up to bring shade to Jonah. And he's going, whoo, relief. He is so glad about the plant. So let's look at it. He's outside the city. He's watching and waiting that hope God will change his mind. So the 40 days, we don't know how far that had been into it. And he's wanting God to judge. He's waiting. God provide this leafy plant to comfort the angry prophet. And so we find in verse 6, it did bring comfort to Jonah, the plant. Matter of fact, he was so happy about it. Some of them say exceedingly happy about it. And then what God does, the next day, he provides, so he provides a plant. The next day, he provides a worm. Chews through the plant, the plant withers and dies. God removes these, this creature comfort that Jonah has, so... Then after that, what God did is it says that God, we need to, this is God in the background so often that we don't get. He provided this scorching east wind. And it says that Jonah grew very faint. He became mad that anger just welled up again. And he does it again. Okay, just kill me. Just kill me. And so, what does God do to, with Jonah's rant? Well, he just simply asks this same question again. Is it right for you to be angry? And so, if we go back to verse chapter, or verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 10, and chapter 4, verse 1, Jonah preaches, God relents, 
Jonah doesn't think it's fair. Jonah preaches. God gives forgiveness. Jonah doesn't think that's fair. So, I'm thinking about this. So, what is it that God wanted Jonah to see? What is he trying to help him see? And he does it with this plant. Basically, it's Jonah. You did nothing to produce a plant. You did nothing to grow the plant. You did nothing to save the plant. It wasn't your plant. It was mine. And then he goes into verse 11. He goes, listen, shouldn't I have concern for that great city of Nineveh? Don't you realize that there are 120,000 people there that don't know their right hand from their left? In other words, Jonah, I'm the creator of all things. I created humanity, and I love my creation. And over here, there's 120,000 people that have no idea, no idea what is right and what is wrong. Shouldn't I have concern for that? And so it's almost like, Jonah, can't you see what I'm seeing? I want you to see what I am seeing. And then we, we, this lack of love, this lack of compassion from Jonah, this lack of understanding that as Israel there to be lights to the nations to help teach them and show them God's ways. And Jonah's going, yeah, I'm not going to have none of it. Just wipe them out. That's going to make my life easier. They're enemies, so just wipe them out. Make our life easy. And the thing that has always captured me from the start of this book is Jonah does not respond. There's no response. Now, We already know that he had a response to that. Uh, It seems like it. I mean, in in first chapter, he really had a conversation with God that we knew nothing about. He had a conversation with God. Now think about, again, Jonah went through this whole experience. At some time, he left there. And at some point later, he penned it. And he never put his responses down. Now for me, I'm trying to think, when, when we were in chapter 2, I'm going, really? Uh, ten verses for three days and three nights in the belly of the well, and all, we just got ten verses? There is a lot more than ten verses went on in the belly of the well. So we got to ask ourselves, okay, why? Why isn't there more there? Well, apparently God didn't want him to be more there. And for me, this is what it is speaking to me. It's not there so that when we read the book, it's a question to us. Because, listen, think through this, and hopefully maybe through the week you can begin to think through this. When you're in a similar situation as Jonah, where you want God to do one thing, uh, and you already probably know He's not going to do it, and you're not happy about it, is it right for you to be mad at God because of that? So it's almost like for us, the reader. So think about this. So at some time, Jonah penned the book. It was, it was in a scroll, and it was available to read to the nation of Israel. And if, like Doug said, here Jonah is a representative of the nation of Israel, 
and this is red, what would it do for them? The same thing. Now, I, I'm telling you what, if I'm in Israel and I know Jonah's around, and I'm reading the script, I'm going to go to him and go, hey, dude, you've got you to fill me in because I know there's more to the story. For us, God had it written almost as a mirror for us to say, is it right for you to be angry about this? Knowing what you know about me, what should your attitude be? And I think for me, like all of us, it should be, okay, Father, I, I don't like this. I don't want this. But I'm asking you to change this, my heart. I'm asking you to change this. And all of us has had those experience and scenarios where we've been in difficult places and we've, we've just basically said no to God. I'm not doing that. I don't want to do that. I can't do that. Whatever they are. But we need to get to the place where we just open up and allow God to shift who we are. So, Father, this morning, here's what I'm asking. I'm asking that through the course of the week, not just today, but through the course of the week and weeks to come, that you would just, I don't know, let this cook in our life. Just let it, let it, let it get after us. Because your whole intent in Jonah's life was to bring him into a right relationship. Your whole intent was to reveal who you are so that you could be larger in his life, so that you could shift him more, so that he could understand you better, represent you as you wish. And that's what we all want out of our lives. So I pray that it would just be a message that just keeps moving into our hearts and moving into our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Have an amazing week.